Good morning, everybody. It is great to have everybody together today, worship together. Uh, so wonderful. Pastor Jared talked about the great fall morning, and yes, it is. And anyway, it's great to see all of you. I'd like to welcome everybody in Crookston today. Uh, and my wife, Mary, is in Crookston today, just uh, being there today. And Mary, I just want you to look so beautiful today. I mean, like when I left the house. I mean, it just looks... Uh, I remember I was thinking about when I was uh, in college, when Mary and I went, we were married when we went to college, and there was a church that we passed, or that we were attending one summer, and I walked, the pastor was standing at the door, Mary and I walk up into church, and he says to me, have you told your wife how beautiful she is today? I'm like, ah, I think I missed that. So the next Sunday, we're walking up to church, and we see, I see the pastor at the door. Guess what I did? I just want you to know, honey, you are so beautiful. And then you get one of those wife looks, like, like a, you know, yeah, I know why you're doing this. But anyway, anyway, we like to welcome, again, everybody, not just those in Crookston, but everybody. Um, I'm wrapping up today a series of sermons entitled Find Your Fit. A couple weeks ago, we talked about finding family, which I just love that whole thought. We talk about Freedom Church as being a family, and it's more than just giving lip service. It's something that we really attempt, and really it's on our hearts to do. Last week, Pastor Jared talked about finding Jesus, just a wonderful word. Today, we're talking about something as well, this whole thought of finding purpose, Finding purpose. I think one of the biggest questions that we as human beings face is the question, what's the purpose of life? Anybody ask yourself that? Uh, like, why are you here? Like, like what Pastor Jared alluded to that in his prayer today, in, in a sense, but like, what's the purpose of it all? Is it, is it just about getting an education so that I can get a really good job so that I can invite you know, another person in my life that we can have children so that then I can get old and have a nest egg and die and then like that's it. I mean, is, that, is, is it about money? Is it about possessions? Is it about like, accumulating a lot of stuff to, to, to feed like what I think is going to make me happy? Like why are we here? Is it, about, is it about our cause? So we're going to stand behind our cause and so that we can do what we can to make a difference for whatever cause, you know, maybe being an activist or whatever that may look like. Or is it about being heard or being seen and, and just like influencing other people? Like, like what's the purpose of it all? And what's so incredibly amazing, I think, is that the Bible fully answers those questions. The Bible answers that question. And when you think about it, it only makes sense. Because personally, I don't believe that, 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 that all of us just, you know, slithered out of some primordial slime and all of a sudden, voila, here we are. But I believe with incredible intent and design that God created us as humanity. And so to discover our purpose, like why are we here, we've got to look back to the creator, it's, it's, it's impossible to discover our purpose without looking at the one who created us, right? As well as not only the creator, but the manual that he's given to us, the Bible, the manual that he's given to us. Again, if you want to discover what life's all about, we have to look to creator God because it's in his heart and in his mind that we discover, oh, that's what this is about. And the Bible talks all about that and there's so many different verses that we could talk about today. 
but I've chosen two verses. It's just one passage of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You can follow with me there uh, uh, as we read or else on the screen. 1 Peter, again, there's so many places we could look, but like, what's the purpose of it? What's the purpose of it? 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The verses, this verse of scripture, we'll talk about verse 10 in just a few moments, but this verse of scripture says he identifies us in four ways. These are believers or followers of Jesus. He says you are a chosen race. Over the years, we in America have seen an incredible, incredible amount of racial tension and, and really prejudice and inequality, and, and we know that's been set on a heightened stage these last months. When it talks about a chosen race, it's not talking about our biological ethnicity. It's not talking about our ethnicity or our country of origin. When it talks about a chosen race, it's, it's not a person's, a reference to a person's ethnicity, but rather it's something much higher. It says you are a chosen race or a chosen group of people. It's about this. You are, you are part of the family of God and being a part of the family of God. Like he says, I choose you. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the sermon from John 15, 16, when Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And when you think about it, it says, what he's saying is, I've chosen you. So you, you are selected. I want you to be a part of my family. And you say, God, but you don't understand. I mean, like, come on. Like, I'm me. I mean, like, what do I have? He goes, no, I want you. But God, you don't understand my background. You don't understand my weakness. And he says, actually, I really, really do. I've created you. I really get it. And I know you. But I, I want you to be a part of my team. I want you to be a part of my family. We are a chosen race. He says, we are also a royal priesthood. A priesthood. Basically, the job of an Old Testament priest was twofold. Number one, it was ministering to God. They would, they would minister to God, serve God, and then they would serve other people. It was basically, again, a twofold. And he says, what you are, you are a royal priesthood. You're not an earthly priesthood, but you are a royal, in other words, of King Jesus, and your responsibility is basically twofold. Our responsibility is, number one, it's to minister unto God. It's to serve God and to serve him and to bless him, which is amazing, isn't it? To think that that is our calling, that we're called to be a priest, to serve the Lord, and then as well to serve other people, to minister to him and to other people. And I would just say this as well, just kind of a little, certainly along this line, but a little P.S. a little, uh, as a church, this is something that we are really taking very seriously because we believe, I believe this, that every person here is a minister. Every person here is a priest in the biblical sense, that you have been called, we've been called to minister to the Lord and then to minister to other people. And so we are a group of priests and of, of ministers, and every member is a minister. And so our, one of our desires is, is this. If you say, you know what, Freedom Church is the church I go to, then we want, we love, and it's just not because we really need it. It's because I believe it's a direct, like, directive by the Lord is that we want everybody serving in some area. 
because we're all called to serve, right? That's what he says. We're a royal priesthood. Number three, we're a holy nation. The word holy means to be set apart. In other words, life isn't about us. We are set apart. We are consecrated. We have been set apart for a very specific, sacred purpose and use. That's our purpose. Set apart. A holy nation. And number four, we're people of God's own possession. I love this verse. One of my favorite. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and that you are not your own because you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. We are God's possession. His possession. As a result, he says, we are a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. We're all these things so that... Here's the purpose, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This word excellencies, uh, to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. It speaks of moral excellence or a virtue, but probably the word that best describes this word excellencies is the word goodness. Goodness, like Yes, virtuous, but this thing of goodness. This verse could have been written this way, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim, so that you may report, so that you may publicly declare that God is good, that God is absolutely, incredibly amazing. And all the other adjectives and adverbs or whatever those things are, I'm trying to like come up with this moment. Like, God, you're so amazing. He says, the purpose of this, he says, I've set you apart as a chosen race. I've set you apart as a royal priesthood. I've set you apart as a holy nation, consecrated for divine purposes. I've set you apart for this purpose, that you may proclaim the goodness of God. That you may proclaim God's goodness. Here's, 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 here's really how I see it. There's an incredible battle that's going on and that's raging in this world, and you and I are caught in the middle. Ephesians 6 says, 6 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and dominions of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. There's a calculated, there, 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 there's an organized, there is this, this, uh, this wicked front to come against you. That's the battle. That's the battle that it talks about. 1 John 3, 8, but the Bible says, but Jesus came for this purpose, and that purpose was to undo or destroy the works of the devil. And how does he do that? How does he destroy? How are the works of the devil destroyed? It happened through the cross, absolutely. But then I believe it happens this Yes, let's switch. We thought we had the... We thought we had it fixed. I'm sorry about that. The works of the devil are undone when we declare God's goodness to other people by saying, there is hope for you. There is a remedy. Your life is not beyond remedy. You are significant. You do carry value. You are beautiful. You are really, really an important individual and person. Your life carries values. You are loved. And we proclaim, declare the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I don't, I don't know all of us today here. I mean, I, I, I know 
many, and most, but I don't have to know everybody here today because what I do know is this, that there is this need in your heart and in your life to be significant, to be valued, to feel worth, and to be loved. But it's not only us in the sanctuary, I believe it's also every person that we run into. And as containers, as vessels or temples of hope, we have this within us, and it's our responsibility to then declare, to declare, God, you are absolutely amazing. And to let people know that. I want to show you just a quick uh, testimony uh, it is one that uh, we watched earlier this summer on our Wednesday night prayer. I know that Mariah plugged prayer, but Wednesday nights, just it's amazing what God is just doing. You're welcome. All, everybody's welcome. We just take some time. One of the things we're going through every other week, just a, a video. This was one of the videos we watched um, at the very beginning of, 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 our, uh, of the summer. I look back because you've, some of you, maybe if you've been around for a while, you've probably seen this because I showed it four years ago. And Mary said, honey, I think we already saw it. I go, I know and I want to think I made you show it every year because I love this testimony so much. It's of a man named Danny Velasco. And anyway, check out this testimony of Danny Velasco. I've been uh, doing hair and makeup uh, as a freelance hairdresser and makeup artist working in photo studios in New York and basically around the world for about 35 years. But in my very early 30s, I decided to move to Paris uh, because I wanted to be in the center of what was happening fashion-wise. And within two months of being in Paris, I got my first cover of Vogue magazine. When that cover hit the newsstands, um, my career just exploded. Now I was charging $3,000 a day, and uh, I was working every day. I had as much money as I wanted to spend on drugs. Suddenly it wasn't like pills and alcohol, now it was cocaine, and then it started, then heroin came into the picture. One day I was on a photo shoot um, in New York City, and uh, the model who was on this photo shoot was a very beautiful redhead and she began to talk to me about the Lord. God is in, God loves you and this and I was like, you know, whatever. She to me she was a religious fanatic and I really didn't have very much to say to her. I just let her talk. Before she left, she said, um, hey Danny, do you mind if I pray for you? Right in the studio, she just took my hands and she began to pray out loud. And I had never been around anybody praying out loud, you know. And I began looking around at people going like, you know, I just thought this girl's nuts. Before she walked out, she said, look, you know, you're in trouble. She goes, I know who you are. I've seen your work in magazines for years. And um, I know you work with all these famous celebrities, but you're in big trouble. And she said, so I just want to let you know that the day you call on the name of the Lord, he's going to set you free. And I said, oh, really? You know, like that. And I went, like, you don't understand. Uh, I've gone way too far, <laughs> you know. And so she said, oh, no, no, there's no hopeless cases with Jesus. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know. But listen, I will never call on the name of the Lord. That won't happen.
and I won't ever come to your church. One of my contracts uh, was for a clothing manufacturing company, and uh, we were shooting down in the Caribbean, and I overdosed on heroin. They sent me back a few days later to New York, and they pulled my contract on a morals clause. And I didn't care. All I wanted to do was shoot dope. So one day, I, I pulled a garbage can between my legs, and I just began to cut up everything that had my name on it. Anything, passports, driver's license. I put the keys on the table, and I just walked out and closed the door behind me, and I never went back. And I began to live on the streets. Day-to-day -day existence on the streets of New York was um, you wake up, you're sick, you need drugs. I had gotten down to about 108 pounds. Um, I developed hepatitis A, hepatitis B, hepatitis C. Every once in a while, you know, living on the streets, I would, I would uh, go to a payphone and I would call Wanda and I would say, look, I need some money, you know, and she would go, well, if you would come by the church, today. We have choir practice tonight, you know. Uh, I can give you 20 bucks or, you know, whatever. She never gave up on me. She never gave up on me. Um, she never gave up on me. I didn't know it, but she had a whole team of, like, you know, her friends out here all praying for me. And they would pray for me in prayer meetings, you know, where there's thousands of people there, you know, crying out to God. I mean, they would pray for me and pray for me. And, you know, what did I know? I didn't know everybody was praying for me. I started developing a lot of phobias on living on the street. I began to hear voices in my head. And it just began, it, it, it was constantly accusing me and constantly telling me how I would mess up. And then there was like another voice that started in and I could hear them both at the same time. And the other voice would just curse and just spew out filthy language. You know, there was a third voice that used to just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. I was riding the trains and uh, this, this guy who was like a drug addict who was also riding the train said to me, you look like you're dying. And he said, there's a hospital at the next stop. You should go to the hospital, you know? And I went, oh yeah, maybe I will. Because I didn't want to die on the street. I went into emergency, and uh, I, was, I was sick. I mean, I was really sick. I don't know if it's something I remembered that Wanda had said to me or whether like an angel whispered in my ear, but there was like one moment where I just heard like a sweet little voice in the midst of all that craziness, and it said, the day you call the name of the Lord, he's gonna set you free. It was just at that moment that, uh, that I cried out to God, that it, it was as if the Spirit of God just swept into that hospital room, and it was as if he was all around me and all in me and healing me and loving me. I, I don't even know what I was experiencing, but it was, it was an overwhelming experience, and immediately all the voices in my head stopped. It was just that quickly. And um, that's been 11 years ago almost, and they've never come back. Well, Wanda came back into the picture when um, I was in the rehab. I wrote her 
a letter and I told her what had happened. And, um, and she wrote me back a letter. It just said, like, it had three big letters on it, W-O-W. I said, wow. <laughs> she, she couldn't believe it. I'll tell you the thing that blows me away more than anything is that God goes so much further than we ever dare to ask him for. You know what I'm saying? Like when I called on the name of the Lord, I just wanted to get out of a jam. <laughs> you know? and, and God says, no, no, I'll get you out of the jam, but I'm going to give you a new life. Not only that, I'll go even further than that. I'll stand you up in front of all the world, in front of audiences of thousands and thousands of people so that others will know that they too can obtain mercy. You know, it's almost like a trophy, like you're his trophy that he wants to show off to the world and say, I can do this in somebody's life. I love that testimony because that's what Jesus can do. And I like what Danny says when he says, it's almost like we're his trophies and that God wants to show us off and to put us here and just say, look, this is what I can do. This is what I can do. And we become his trophies, trophies of his grace, not of our labors, not of our work, but trophies of his grace. And I think of this testimony, and, and I've always focused on Danny's testimony and given little, very, very little heed to Wanda's obedience. But as I thought about this passage of Scripture, that we are a chosen race, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that we may declare the goodness of God and how that he's brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I think of this, this model, Wanda, that just simply said, Danny, there's hope for you. And the moment you call on the Lord, he will be there to help you. And I think about how many people sitting next to us in our classroom need that hope. I think of how many people that, that, that we're working for or that we're in, in business with or in our neighbors, how many people just need some hope. And that's why, that's why Peter says, I've set you apart, I've done all these things so that in order that you can declare the excellencies of him or the goodness of God. This is, he said, this, this, is, this is our purpose. This is what he's called us to do. Verse 10, he says, because once you were not a people. In other words, when it says you were not a people, uh, it says that our, your identity, like Danny's, your identity was found in, in what you do. Your identity is found in your success or found in your failures. Your identity is found in the people around you. Your identity is found in your addiction. It's found in your weaknesses. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Now you are the people of God. I've brought you together as the people of God. Your identity has changed. 
once you had not received mercy, and I love this, this last phrase, but now you have received mercy. One of the distinguishing marks of Christianity as a follower of Jesus Christ is this thing of mercy. Mercy is when you don't get what you have coming to you. It's when you're blazing down the interstate at 90 miles an hour and the highway patrolman pulls you over and says, you know you're going 90, you go like, oh, man, whoops. And he goes, tell you what, I'm going to give you a written warning today. That's mercy, right? Uh, not that that ever happens, but, you know, but, but it, it, it's, it's, when, it's when you know that you deserve this and somebody says, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to withhold what really you deserve. He says, he says, once you had not received mercy, Danny had received everything. He worked hard in hair and makeup. He had got the things he deserved, not received mercy. But when he called on the name of the Lord, God gave him something he didn't deserve, which is grace, and withheld what was deserved, which is mercy. And as I think about that, I just think, God, help us. Help us to understand what our calling is. Help us to understand here in our, in our, in our local community, God, what you've called us to. I like how Ephesians 2 says it, if the, if the band wants to come uh, at this point back to the front. It says, but God who is rich, Ephesians 2, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, and our sins, he made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you've been saved. He's raised us up and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not the result of works, so that no one can boast, because we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. That, that word workmanship, the Greek word, is poema, which, which we get our English word poem. And I'm not a poet, but, but a poet is one who intentionally and purposely puts words together in right meter and right rhyme and right sequence to make something appear beautiful. And what, what, what Jesus says, he says, because you are my poetry, you are beautiful. And we were created, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. There is a link to mercy, receiving mercy and declaring his excellencies. There's a, there's a link to, 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 to experiencing mercy and doing good works. In Peter, it talks about Ephesians, it talks about it. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We would walk in them. And I would just pray today, and if you would join me in praying, Mary and I have been talking about this, and we're praying ourselves. And being intentional, being intentional about just being with individuals that really, that, 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 that need hope. And I'm asking you that, that you would just pray, God, give me opportunity. I read the paper, not every day, but almost, and uh, I, I just am taken back, to be honest. Murder, this is Grand Forks. A little over a, a week ago, there was a, 
a glut of individuals that had overdosed that were all brought to the intensive care unit, abuse, and I could just go on and on about the individuals that you and I rub shoulders with every day that are just desperate, that are desperate. And God says, why I've called you, it's not about like this nest egg, it's not about all the fun and I'm all about, uh, there's wisdom in all of those things. All of those things is wisdom. But ultimately God says, what I want you to do is to say, to tell people that God is so good not to, de not to declare the excellencies of mask wearing or non-mask wearing or whatever. Maybe we better not go down that road. But, but, but the excellencies of Jesus Christ who's called us out of darkness and called us into his marvelous light. And Father, I just pray that you'd help us, oh God. Lord, we know that, that when you lived on earth, God, the baton was in your hand and you ran so faithfully, God. And Father, we know as well, oh God, that, that now as we are your representatives here on this earth, God, the baton is in our hand. Lord, that we would be able, that you would help us, oh God, through the help of your Holy Spirit to declare the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness, that there is hope today. God, I ask that you would give us opportunities here in Grand Forks and East Grand Forks on the campus. God, I ask you to give us opportunities there in Crookston, oh God, as well as on the campus of Crookston, God, and those surrounding communities. In the name of Jesus, Lord, knowing that's, that's really so much of what our purpose is, oh God. It's not about us. God. It's about being an extension of your transforming grace to the people that are all around us, oh God. So, Father, be present with us, I pray. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If we could just take a moment to, with our heads, continue to be bowed and eyes closed. I just want you to know today that God is so good. And you may feel, I don't, I don't know, I've not experienced that. But I want to declare to you the excellencies of Jesus Christ, that he is good. He is incredibly good and awesome. And that he has good things for you. His plans is not to harm you. His plan is not to, to lead you to become despondent or destitute, but like the testimony that we just saw with our eyes, God's plan is that he might redeem and save and deliver. And if you need Jesus today, if you need Jesus, man, don't leave today without responding to him. Anybody you would just say, I, I need prayer today, Pastor. I, I need some prayer today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody would just say, Pastor, I, I want to I walk in my purpose, and I want to declare the excellencies of him who's called me out of darkness. I want to declare the goodness of God to those that are around me. Anybody say, that's me. I want to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I want to just pray. We're going to pray here. I'm going to pray as well for those in Crookston. And when I'm done praying, Crookston and, and, and are going to go their own direction. But Father, in the name of Jesus, help us today, God. For those that raised their hand that said, God, they, they need help. Lord, Lord, we reach out to you, God, knowing that you are the giver of all good things. And so, God, we embrace you fully and completely, oh God. Father, the, 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 knowing our hope is in you, God, not in ourselves, oh God. Lord, we call on your name. We call on your name, O oh God. Lord, give us opportunities and then the boldness and the courage, Lord, in whatever setting, Lord, not to cram faith or religion, Lord, or force it upon others, but simply to share from our perspective, Lord, what you have done in our lives and the hope that we have found in you, God. 
to declare the goodness of you, Lord, to those that are around us. We love you. We bless you. We praise your name today, O oh God. So be blessed, O oh God. Be blessed, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus.